And, and a lot of this comes about because we bought in to the Hollywood version of Satan and the paranormal as opposed to what God's Word says. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Bridge Podcast. Mark, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Andrew? I am excellent. And Bill Sammons from The Morning Show is here. Bill? Hey, hey there. It's good to see you as well. I am so excited about this topic today. Yeah, it's... I've been really anticipating this. I know. You've yeah. been... <laughs> yeah, I really It's have. really good. And you shared yeah. the book with us. Uh, yeah. The author, Rod Robison, is with us, and he wrote a book called Unmasking the Masquerade with a couple of other co-authors. Three illusionists, magicians, if you will, investigate deception, fear, and the supernatural. So today we're going to talk about fear and the supernatural and what that means to the believer. We are joined by Rod Robison. How are you, Rod? Hey, how are you guys? I'm doing well. Well, we're doing great, and we're excited that you could join us. Uh, now, you're down there in Tucson, Arizona, is that right? Well, that's where I live. I live in Tucson, but uh-huh. right now I'm vacationing with my family in Scottsdale, just up the road a little ways. Excellent. That's wonderful. Well, just to fill in our listeners a little bit, you've got a long history in uh, the world of magic and uh, mentalism and other things that have to deal with what some people might believe to be supernatural powers. Is that correct? Well, yes, that is true. I've done I've done my show now for about 20 years. And uh, there have been times when I've had people come up to me afterwards and say, well, I know you said that, you know, nothing you're doing is actually supernatural or paranormal, but I, there's no way you could have known that. There's no way you could have done that without some kind of, you know, help from, from the other side. Right. And, and uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. For instance, I do, in my show, I do a, a routine where I make a table float. Okay, and it's not like way up on stage, it's like right in front of the people. Huh. And and this table, you know, without me even touching it, begins to float around the room. That's crazy. And, and, and you know, most people understand that, okay, it's a trick. I can't figure out how in the world it happens. But, uh, you know, there have been occasions when, not, not a lot, but some occasions where uh, somebody will come up to me and go, uh, that ain't right. <laughs> some, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I did, I did a show a few years ago for, uh, Raytheon engineers and they were at the top engineers. Raytheon is a huge, sure. uh, aerospace company in Tucson. And some of the top engineers, I was doing a show for them and I did the floating table and they came up and they're looking at it. And you can imagine a bunch of, Right. <laughs> trying to figure that one out, and uh, and and none of them came up with you know the, the actually how it was working. They were trying too hard. They were looking for something uh. way beyond the technology. Because <laughs> um, and then there was another. There have been a couple of cases. One of them was actually in Tucson, where I did a I did the show in a church and did the floating table. And, I don't know, a year or two later, I came back, and I'm setting up my show, and the lady walks into the auditorium, same church, and she says, um, you know, last time I was here, you made a table float, and that, there's no way you could have done that without some kind of, you know, demonic help. Right. And, you know, I, I told my pastor that I'm about ready to quit the church over this. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. And... I said, you know, ma'am, I'm not going to tell you how it was done, but I can tell you this. If I, I, so I could explain that in 30 seconds. 
you would slap your forehead and you would go, oh my goodness, is that all it is? And that's really, that's, it, it is a trick. It looks so real, but it's an absolute trick. Wow. Well, now, I don't know. I don't know if she was in the audience that night or not, but she came in early just to check it out and say, this ain't right, man. That but, is something. The, the problem was she was she was making too much of an assumption about faking flowers. It was like, mm. you know, that had to be Satan because God would never do anything like that. So it had to be Satan because it looked so real. My point was, there's a third alternative here, right. and that is, it's a trick, but it's <laughs> really, really real. Well, we do love to be tricked. That's all part of entertainment, isn't it? And a lot of people love that they actually get tricked, and they can't figure it out. So that's, you know, you've, you've been entertaining for a long time, though. You have some history with the Christian music band Selah. You, you uh-huh. toured and wrote with them in the past, and you even wrote a song for Amy Grant. Yes. Um, actually, it was it was Sailor from the '70s, not the current one. Okay. Um, we we started a group. It was actually we, we all got started at Cedarville University in Ohio, and we toured for about toured and recorded for about five years. Uh, one of the songs that we wrote for ourselves after the band broke up, Amy Grant picked up. It was Fat Baby. It's off of her Age to Age album. Awesome. So I wrote the lyrics, and and my co-writer who wrote the music was Steve uh, Steve Milliken. Your voice is a little deeper, but maybe you could. Hum a few bars for us. What do you think? <laughs> That's a classic you know, song. I'm sure you could pull that song uh, down off the internet. Yeah. <laughs> a lot better than me. Rod, how did you ever get started in magic? What was the inspiration behind you? You know, even getting pulled into this world. You know, I I did magic tricks when I was like ten years old, like most boys do. You know, you get the magic tricks from the catalog and the little magic kit and everything. And after a while, you know, a year or two later, it kind of got old. Well, I was 35 years old, and I happened to be with my family at Dollywood, which is an amusement park in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. We were riding a little train around, the, and I looked off to my left. I still remember this. And, and the train was passing a little magic shop at the amusement park, and there was a guy out front doing a magic trick. I went, boy, that looks interesting. So I, when we got off the train, I walked over, and... He did a trick for me in my hand. Where, long story short, it was it was a couple of coins he put in my hand, and when I opened it up, they were different coins. Wow. Uh, it was bizarre, and it just I it just like clicked a light on inside my head, and I went, I've got to know how that was done. So the next day, I came back, I purchased the trick, and then I purchased another one, and <laughs> another one, and another one. And pretty soon it became a little bit of an expensive hobby. Um, but I, I very slowly began to get a little bit proficient in the, the magical arts. And uh, after a while, I started performing professionally, mainly to support my habit of my <laughs> magic tricks. Um, so all these many years later, now I do corporate shows, uh, you know, for conventions and company parties. I do uh, shows for Christian organizations and churches. I just did one for Teen Challenge uh, a couple of months ago, one of their fundraisers. And um, so I don't do I don't do it. What what most people think of as gospel magic, where you do a trick, then it's an application. You do a trick, and then there's a biblical scripture and so on. I do an entertaining show that has a lot of uh, mentalism, which is like pseudo mind reading and a lot of comedy. Um, but I but I use it as an open door, especially in Christian uh, organizations, Christian groups, 
to say, hey, you know what? Sometimes we make too many assumptions about Satan's powers. And we assume that because we don't understand something that, oh my goodness, Satan must be behind that. But what we really need to understand is a biblical understanding of Satan and of God's sovereignty and how easy we can be fooled, can be deceived. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the theme theme of the book, too. Now, you, you okay, so you admitted that you can make tables float. <laughs> right. No, I didn't say... No, I didn't say people. I said a table. <laughs> no, no, table. Right, a table. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, you admitted you, you can made, make a table. See, you, made an, you made an assumption. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> what? But what about that? I I could see that that might be trickery, right? But what about some of these mental capabilities? What about some of these, you know, supernatural powers? Do humans actually have supernatural powers that we could tap into? Well, I know that's very controversial within within Christian uh, circles. I can I can answer it this way: I don't see evidence of that. Now, you might go, "Well, yeah, but what about those psychics on on TV? Sure. What about you know they know all kinds of stuff? Well, you don't know what went on behind the scenes. What they may already know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something." among mentalists called, um, there's cold reading and there's hot reading. Cold reading is uh, when you are sort of searching for uh, responses to broad questions that you throw out there. Mm-hmm. There's somebody out there thinking of a name that starts with a P, you know, and somebody raises your hand, and then they, the, the so-called psychic will hone in on, on that particular person and begin to ask leading questions and so on. That's called cold reading. And hot reading is, when they know information ahead of time, mm. uh, they may know where the person lived. They may know names. There's all kinds of ways of finding that out. Um, and and some of these, uh, some but not all of the you know television psychics that you that you see and hear about and read about uh, use both or one or both of those techniques. So in that sense, I know how some of that works, and I can guarantee you, there's nothing paranormal or supernatural going on there. Mm-hmm. The other reason that I'm highly skeptical that anybody really has those kind of powers is because there have there has been an offer, a million dollar offer by an organization called the James Randi Foundation. He's a well-known um, magician. He's had this offer out for many, many years. Anybody who can demonstrate genuine psychic powers under controlled situation, under controlled um, in environment, mm-hmm. uh, they'll give you a million dollars. Wow. And there's been a lot of people who have tried, but no one has won the prize. Now, it would seem to me that if somebody wanted incredible publicity, wanted a million dollars to boot, yeah, um, they would go in there and go, sure, I can do that. Under, and, and, and if you really had psychic abilities, you could do it under control situation. Yeah. Where, you know, there, where, for instance, magicians are in the audience and they can watch to see if you've cheated. Every single time somebody has tried, they've gone, mm, no, I know how to do it. You know, I know how you did that. And they'll expose them. Uh, there's another one, another offer that's been out there for many years by a Christian illusionist named Andre Cole. Andre Cole toured for 50 plus years. He's a dear, dear friend of mine. 
And um, he wrote the he, forward to your book, correct? He did. He, he yes, he wrote the forward to the book, and he was with Campus Crusade for many, many mm-hmm. years. Led tens of thousands of people to Christ, but he was also an investigator of so-called psychic and supernatural powers. A lot of people don't know that about him, but he mm. did a lot of debunking, wrote books about it. He had an offer, and I, I believe it was $20,000 for anybody that could demonstrate genuine psychic powers. And he had a few people, some I think actually more than a few people, who took him up on that, and every one of them failed. Right. So, you know, that that leads me to be highly skeptical. Could there be somebody out there with psychic powers? You know, I suppose in theory, but I I really don't believe that is the case, uh, mainly because there's been an offer out there forever, and nobody's been able to claim it, and because I know how a lot of it's done. I'm like, man, it looks real, but no, it's not. Right. They get better and better at their craft of uh, performance. Oh, yeah. Well, John Edwards, uh, the, Mm -hmm. the, the medium that was on TV, and I guess he still is, but he was on TV for many, many years. Um, he was a master of using cold and hot reading. Too. Very interesting. Hmm. And uh, in fact, in my book, I talk about an instance where he was actually caught gathering information and then spinning it back to the uh, person that he was supposedly reading uh, that person's mind. No kidding. In a, in a public performance. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, speak- uh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a Geller. They... Israeli um, so-called psychic. Um, he's he's incredible. He's a very talented magician, but he presents himself as the real thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, on Johnny Carson years ago, Johnny Carson's Tonight Show, he was exposed, and boy, was that an embarrassment for him. <laughs> but he's still but he's still out there. You know, people people are going to be are going to be gullible to deception, regardless of whether or not someone's been exposed. So speaking of public performances and being exposed or, you know, seeing through the illusion, um, there have been, you know, people who would say that the miracles of Christ could have been illusions. That is an accusation that's that's been placed out there in the world. What would you say? Could the miracles of Jesus Christ have been illusions? Well, I think that's where people who make those claims have, frankly, have not done a very good job of objectively looking at the evidence. Hmm. So to say that humans don't have supernatural or paranormal powers is one thing. Mm -hmm. It's quite another thing to say, well, there is no such thing as supernatural powers. Well, clearly there is, and God is the one who can and does those things. Jesus was God incarnate. Now, I know that argument is not going to hold any water to a, to a, a, a secularist uh, uh, skeptic. Sure, okay. But as you examine, I believe, examine the evidence, and, and actually Adrian Van Vecker, my co-writer, does his entire section of the book is about that very question. Uh, was he, a, was he a, a myth? Was he a, a magician? Or was he a messiah? Hmm. And... Adrian does an incredible job of of nailing that one down very clearly. Um, but just to, just to bring up a couple of points, there's the eyewitness of the apostles and the others who were were witness to this type of thing, the, the, the miracles that Jesus did. 
Um, they went to their deaths saying, no, we saw him. We saw him resurrected. We saw him doing the miracles. They literally went to their deaths almost to the last man. I think John was the only one that did not die as a martyr. Mm-hmm. The rest of them did. And, and they said, no, we know what we saw. And to, to suggest that, you know, Jesus was using magic tricks. Well, you mm-hmm. would have to also, uh, justify the enormity of what he did. Um, Adrian points out in the book that in order to walk on water and do some of the other things he had to do, you'd, you'd have to have trailer loads of equipment, which obviously were not available at that time. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, I look at the miracles of Jesus and I go, and even as a skeptical person, and I am, I mean, if you read my book, you know, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical about claims of the supernatural. But I look at the, the miracles of Jesus and I go, yep, that was the real thing. And if we believe in a sovereign God who rules the universe and in fact created the universe, the miracles of Jesus even the resurrection does not seem implausible to me. Mm. I look around me. I'm looking at nature right now. I'm in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm and I know a bit about science. I'm not a scientist by any means, but I love to study science. And I, I look at the miracle of the human body, and I look at the miracle of I'm looking at a big tree right now, and to know what goes on inside that tree at a cellular level, and then even an atomic level, and I'm like the perfect balance that we see in nature, kind of like, oh, there's got to be, there has to be a creator, there has to be uh, someone, an ultimate cause that, that made all of this happen, a designer, it's clearly designed. Mm-hmm. When I look at that, when I look at science, <clears throat> I go, you know, that makes total sense that there is a God who controls all of this, who created all of this, could he do miracles? Well, yeah. Could he turn water into wine? Yeah. Without a, without trickery? Could he raise his son from the dead? Absolutely. I mean, I think that the, the deep skeptics, the secular skeptics, they have such a limited view of, frankly, reality, a limited view of, of our world around us and what we see so clearly. I mean, you know, in the book of Romans, it talks about that God and, and the fact that he's the creator and the fact that he rules and, and, and designed everything is so obvious that none of us are with, that none of us has an excuse. We are totally without excuse. Yeah. I think some people blind themselves to that. And sometimes it's because they don't want to know. They and they don't want to be broad enough to know that yeah we're accountable to a, a creator God. So when you so, when you point to all of creation and you you see that as representation of God's handiwork and and God you know the power that He has in this world, then your book points out that fear of the supernatural and the deception that Satan has put into play is all to drive us away from the realization that, that God is in control, that God and the work on the cross is, is ultimately the strongest power here. Absolutely. I think um, that's one of his greatest deceptions. Toby Travis, um, who is one of my co-authors of the book, says Satan's power is not in 
his ability to do miracles, Satan's power is in the deception. Hmm. And what, is, what does the Bible say about him? What, what Jesus said that his language is deception. When he deceives, he's, he's speaking his own language. Hmm. So he is a deceiver. And that's, that's where the power is. And so if he can get us to think that he has more power than God himself gave him, then he gains power over us. And he gains the fear, uh, the, the power that fear brings into our lives. Mm-hmm. And so when we're, we're, if something bad happens to us, if we go, oh, it's got to be Satan, it's got to be Satan had to have done that. Well, you know, does he really? I mean, or, or could it be that bad things happen to good people? Right. And sometimes God allows those things to come into our lives. It reminds me of the Laura Story uh, song, you know, Blessings. Yeah, what if some of these hardships are actually blessings in disguise? Mm. That's Now, that's hard. When you're going through it, that's hard to, you know, to swallow. Mm-hmm. But it happens to be the case that there is a greater purpose. And sometimes Satan allows us to get off track by driving driving us into fear of him. And, and I think this whole psychic thing and some of these... Uh, you know, these, these psychics that are on TV are, are playing, some Christians are, are, and non-Christians for that matter, are playing right into Satan's design to get us to think, oh man, some people have these kind of abilities and they have power over us and, and Satan has power over us because uh, he can do all these, these crazy supernatural things. And I mean, if you dive into the Bible, um, I'm not seeing it. I'll give you a couple of examples. In in the New Testament, it talks about a couple of magicians, and there's actually several magicians mentioned in the Bible, um, Elimus and Simon. And if you if you look into the text there, they are not condemned because they had supernatural powers. They're condemned for what? Deception. Mm-hmm. There's there's no hint in there that they actually had supernatural powers. And some Christians have said, well, you know, Satan gave them powers. Well, look at the text. It's not there. We make assumptions sometimes. That, and, and a lot of this comes about because we bought in to the Hollywood version of Satan and the paranormal as opposed to what God's Word says. That's really... God is sovereign. That's really... Interesting and powerful with the fact that, like you said, we bought into this Hollywood version, this uh, stylized and built up version oh, yeah. of what we think collectively is the power of Satan or the supernatural, which yep. brings me around to another another big question that a lot of Christians and, and Christian families uh, might wrestle with, and that's the topic of Halloween, uh, maybe even you know dressing up and going out trick-or-treating or celebrating um, Halloween. Uh, in in whatever fashion they see fit, but how how do you think Rod? How do you think Christians should treat Halloween? Well, here, here's the way I did it when my kids were growing up. We we said, you know, if you want to go out and gather candy from the neighbors, then fine. Here's here's all we ask: don't dress up in something that glorifies evil. Mm-hmm. You know, I dress up like a clown. Or whatever, but let's not let's not glorify evil, you know. And I know some people will say, "Well, you can't celebrate Halloween <clears throat> in any way because it has um, 
occultic origins. Well, yeah, but today, when kids are going around the neighborhood gathering candy, now this is, this is my view, and I know it's controversial, but they're not out there celebrating, at least my kids weren't, but, you know, they're not out there celebrating evil. I know a lot of people use it as an excuse to do that. I get that. Mm. Well, don't participate in that. You know, we're not, we're not out there <clears throat> worshiping Satan. We're not out there to say, oh, isn't this great that we can, <clears throat> we can celebrate evil, uh, at least for my kids. And mm-hmm. I would hope Christian, uh, kids of Christian parents, that's not the, their purpose for being out there. So, you know, you want to dress up in a mask and, and, and walk around and get free candy. Yeah, go for it. I, I just, to me, it's not that big of an issue. I don't think it's it's worth um, it's not it's not it's not one that I'd fall on my sword over by mm. any means. It makes me think of uh, in the the Gospels the the Pharisees kind of claiming you know what the Scripture says and, and making it fit their own agenda. Yes, yeah, and I and I think it it goes back to do we really believe that. Satan has all these powers that sometimes people uh, suggest that he has and that he's lurking around every corner. And boy, if we let our kid go out there um, dressed up like a clown, uh, somehow he's falling into Satan's Mm -hmm. schemes. I don't think so. You know, I I see God as sovereign. Mm. And I see Satan as, yes, the adversary, yes, a deceiver, for sure. But, um, you know, I think if, if, we, if we're running scared of Satan, we're falling right into his, his deception. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, Rod, you covered a number of things in your book, and I, we're not going to have time to get to all of them today. But, I mean, you, you tackle uh, the friendship of uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and um, Houdini. That was fascinating yeah. to read about. Yeah, yeah. And you, you've even been to a town where they claim to talk to the dead. That was really, really fascinating. Yeah, it, so it was. I, yeah, I had, I had heard about this. I grew up in Kokomo, Indiana, which is actually about an hour and a half from a place called Chesterfield, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Chesterfield is was a big center of psychic mediums. Started back in the late 1800s because the whole. Uh, spiritualism and psychic medium thing really got its start in the 1800s and was, was a huge, huge movement. And so these various, um, they called them, they called them camps, but they were like little towns kind of grew up like little resort towns really is what they were. Hmm. And they grew up around this movement and people would flock there to presumably, uh, get in contact with their, Loved ones, you know, their departed loved ones. Um, they really took off after the Civil War when, you know, thousands and thousands of young men were killed. Mm. Then World War One again, a big uh, resurgence of it. And so Camp Chesterfield started back in the late 1800s. Well, it's still going to this day. No kidding. Yeah, I mean... It, Even with everything I, that you pointed out in your book, I find that hard to believe. There are always going to be people willing and able to fall into deception. And, and one reason is because, um, 
there are there are people who are hurting so badly, let's say because of the death of a loved one, or maybe something going on in their lives that's just devastating, and they don't have the foundation of 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 trusting Christ. And so they're going to look for answers, and they're going to look for answers in a lot of cases in, in the supernatural or so-called paranormal, um, and that's the type of people that flock to places like Camp Chesterfield. So I went there a few years ago, because I had heard, you know, there's all these crazy, spooky things going on. So I went, you know what? I'm going to, I'm a trained magician. I'm going to go see for see myself, mm-hmm. see it for myself. Um, so I went to a couple of meetings there. One was in a, a big auditorium. The other one was in a little chapel. And and here's what I saw: a, a, a I guess you call him a preacher, a speaker there. Um, after they had sung hymns that we've all sung in church, you would th- you would have thought you were in a just a, a little country evangelical church. Hmm. They're singing hymns right out of the hymn book. But then the speaker got up and did a magic trick. And in short, it was they put a blindfold on. They asked everybody in the audience to write down uh, their questions that they want to ask their departed loved ones. Fold them up, put them in a basket, and then the the speaker, the psychic, the medium, would take them out one at a time. Of course, fully blindfolded, and 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 the the pieces of paper folded up, and they would divine what was inside there, and they would give an answer. Okay, so I so I write down on there. Um, I'd love to hear from my childhood friend Candy, and so as as luck or God's sovereignty would have it, <laughs> the, the speaker picked mine up and says, I'm looking, I'm, I'm hearing uh, somebody out there is wanting to contact uh, Candy. And who is that? I raised my hand. Yes, that's me. And they, and then this, this person says, um, yes, that's a, a childhood friend of yours. In fact, it's a, a, a distant cousin and she wants you to know that this week is going to be a new beginning for you, and it's just going to be wonderful for you. Well, what I didn't reveal in that moment, maybe I should have publicly, but I didn't, was Candy was actually my dog when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so Candy was nowhere oh, no. near nowhere near as articulate in real life as she was on the other side. I <laughs> So, wow. you know, and okay, so now here's, but here's the kicker. The night before I visited Chesterfield, I happened to be in Detroit, and I happened to be attending the show of a fabulous mentalist who does the same type of thing, but for entertainment only, okay? So he wasn't claiming to have any powers or anything. He's, a, he's a, just a master of mentalism named Mark Salem, and I happened to see him do the same trick. Now, I think God's hand was in that, because I was then the next day seeing the same trick done mm-hmm. in a different circumstance, deceiving people, suggesting that they were hearing from the other side. And I'm going, I'm looking at the same trick, one for entertainment, the next night to deceive people. Now, there was a girl sitting in front of me in this chapel service in tears because she was supposedly hearing from her father. And I just, my heart went out to her, and I just went, oh, my word, she has just been totally deceived by a magic trick hmm. in a different context. Context, yeah. Interesting. Well, Rod, 
thank you so much for sharing this insight with us. The fact that Christians, as believers, we we don't have to wallow in fear or be wrapped up in the supernatural. It's all meant as deception to tear down our faith. And I, I think, you know, Christians should not live in that fear. Um, we really appreciate all the work that you've done in your book. What's the best way that people can get that? Well, you can actually go to encouragebooks.com. That's my, uh, my publisher. Or you can go to Amazon. And it's there. Excellent. And, uh, would love to love to have you pick it up. It's a fact. I mean, if I do say so myself, <laughs> it probably sounds very self-serving. But well, no, really, it is. It it's is really fascinating. a fascinating book because like, we tell a lot of stories about people who have been deceived mm-hmm. and those who deceive them from all, from all eye-opening. levels. It's it's from individuals, you know, families, all the way up to uh, the halls of government and, and and you know some of our presidents that have been oh, my deceived. Goodness, yeah. And so it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. That is not self serving in any way. Rod, thank you so much for being on with us. We really this appreciate it. And That's great. I'd love to come back anytime. Well, we'd love to have you. I'm sure there's more that we could dig into, and um, you know, we'll, we'll take a look at that. I'll, I'll give you a call and let you know. Okay. Great. Great. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Well, listen, be sure to download the Bridge mobile app. You can get this podcast as well as many others. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with a friend and provide feedback or other show topics when you email podcast at 887thebridge.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Boardwalk Plaza Hotel and Victoria's Restaurant. You can experience the beach at its best at the best time of year and visit the Boardwalk Plaza Hotel and Victoria's Restaurant there on Rehoboth Beach all year long, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Complete show notes of this episode and more can be found on our website at 887thebridge.com. 